Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's the footballiest time of the year. With quarterbacks throwing and tailgaters ready for some brats and beer. It's the footballiest time of the year. It's the pig, pig skinniest season of all. With Tebow Tebowing and Mile High Payton's throwing, it's time for football. It's the pig, pig skinniest time of the year. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. I know it is. Because as you just heard, it is the footballiest time of the year. It's here, people. College football, pro football, all of it. We made it. We made it. Listen, I'm gonna I'm not gonna jive you because frankly, that's the one rule we have here in Studio sixty six, no jive. But to be honest, I've been jiving a little bit because really, what have we been doing the last few months? Filling time until we could get to what we all truly desire. Pro football, it's here. Let's kibitz about it right now with none other than, look at the the, the the subject of the season premiere of A Football Life on NFL Network coming up on Tuesday night, next Tuesday night. There he is, future Hall of Famer, all-time star, LaDainian Tomlinson. What's the poop, fella? Hey, man. Just happy to be here, man. What a pleasure to see you. Yeah, man. What a pleasure. We have a lot to yap with you about, and I do have to pro- I have to self-promote a little something that I'll be doing with LT and Jen Brown all season long. Jen Brown and I are going to be uh, hosting the new show called uh, Backstory. It will immediately follow A Football Life every week. And uh, that's me and Jen sitting on the couch and kibitzing with the subject and some other notable people involved in that person's life. And uh, this week we'll get to sit there with LT, and I'm looking forward to doing that. So be on the lookout for that. That'll be that'll come on, like I say, right after a football life airs. And uh, and the other guy who is joining us in Studio 66 right now is a guy who has something also coming out on Tuesday about Ladanian Tomlinson, and he was swooning. He got a sneak preview 
of LT's football life, and uh, he said that he cried in it. It's Elliot Harrison. What's the poop with you, fellow? Well, you had to show that I cried. Say that I cried. I think that's I mean, sweet. I just lost my. Well, I didn't have a tough guy card to begin with. <laughs> no. Let's be honest. Uh, You're the softest man from Texas. Hey, let me say this. That's right. But let me say this. First of all, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It's one of my favorite football life. If you liked, let's say, Cleveland 95, you're going to like this one because it, it hits, to me, uh, a lot of these things that, that have nothing to do with football. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Secondly, uh, we're doing a thing called a Football Life Extra. So during the commercial breaks of the documentary, uh, you'll be able to watch Football Life Extra on NFL.com and see an interview with the producers and find out about some things that you maybe didn't get to see in the documentary because, as with anything, there are time constraints. And the producers at NFL Films can't get into everything and show every bit of footage that they'd like to. And trust me, with, with LTs, it is packed. So there are so many things. For all the good stuff. LT that that was in there. There's so much that they probably had to leave out. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm referring to and I don't want to give anything away here, but your your childhood and ancestral backstory is to me is the real undercurrent of this. Yeah, you know, and to me, guys, um, that's what a football life is really all about. You know, because um, you look at one man's journey of how he got to where he is. Like a lot of people see the finished product of a guy in the NFL you know, running touchdowns and, and, you know, you know, playing football on that level at a high level, you know, but you get to see how I actually got there and, and kind of, you know, my story. And it's, it's so intriguing because, you, you know, it is possible. You know, you come from, obviously, as my people, people will know my people were slaves. And then all of a sudden to, to be in this position, you know, and have my kids, now coming along it's just so special and really it was emotional i mean it was it was a tough show to do well i'm looking forward to watching it i have not seen it yet but uh basically tuesday night coming up here uh in uh, a little less than a week now is uh, essentially nfl network is going to become lt tv for one night (laughs) at least so looking forward to that and yeah by the way i remember when you were coming out of uh, tcu that there were a lot of questions will his game translate to the nfl Mm -hmm. tcu at the time was a little under the radar you had the the monster uh college career but is it did he go up against enough competition so on and so forth all right you mentioned kids and let's start there and then eh and i are going to break down some of what he foresees uh in nfl 2013 in terms of how teams might be seeded come playoff time and everything else but you mentioned kids and so let's start there we're a full service podcast lt you may not know we don't just talk about pigskin (laughs) we talk about it all we talk about other sports baseball and so on Mm. But we talk about the most important game, the game called life. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's do that now, LT. Wow. And uh, what about, here's what parents and uh, and kids and everybody else are talking about this week. Miley Cyrus on the MTV Awards, whatever they're called, the VMAs, dancing. I don't know if that's dancing exactly, but uh, ba- uh, barely with a stitch of clothing, uh, clothing on her bum. How say you, LT? Um, how old is Miley now? How, 20. How She's 20 years old. Yes. Okay, so these, this is what, you know, kids do. And for me, I wouldn't have had a problem with it if it was in some club and there wasn't cameras around. But the problem I have really is just because, you know, our young kids are watching it, you know, and, and what what their, their pop culture, you know, icons do, 
our kids are going to want to do that. And so even if my kid, say I have a daughter 12 years old, I don't want her doing that. I don't want her to know that that exists. <laughs> that's a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so that's the only problem I have. I know she's she's a kid and she's going to be a kid. But to me, you know, do that inside a club where there's music and there's not cameras around. E.H., how did you respond? You're a single man. Well, I mean, I tell you what, I'm really doing great here. First, I cry, right, and second, I'm I'm painfully single. That's when probably your line in the club. You see a girl like that dancing around, and you're like, you know, I cried. That's watching all he had to the, say. The Damien's yeah. football life. I actually forever young with. Can no I take you out? On, I cry. Can I take you out for an ice cream? Yeah, they're gonna be. Yeah, they're gonna <laughs> that's be my in move. for. That's my move right there. Neapolitan ice cream. That's always my move. <laughs> You know what? I, I, I side with LT on this. I, you know, I, I, as a if I were a young father, I, it would bother me. And I know you are a young father, and and uh, I don't blame you. I don't think that's being conservative. You and I are from a conservative part of the country. Yeah, we're from North Central Texas. Uh, some people call that Bible Belt. Some people call it the Baptist Belt. Although I wasn't raised Baptist myself. Uh, you know, I know people from where I'm from have a problem with it, and frankly. Uh, how much do you have to push the envelope? Like, at what point can we say, all right, the envelope's pushed. Cool, you proved it. You could do it. I mean, really, it's just going to keep going because on and it's, on. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. It's got to yeah. go one more than the last one, and that's the point from a marketing standpoint. This is what she needs to do to be more outrageous than those who came before her. The thing to me, I'm not up on Mount Pius about this. I'm not ascending up there and, and having moral issues with this so much, and I have, a, a, you know, I have a little girl, too, and I'm shame the devil if she ever behaves that way in public or in private. Right. I'm not, I, I won't stand for it, I tell you. But the worst thing about it was her tongue. What is up with that thing? It's worse than Venom. You know, the bad guy <laughs> in Spider-Man? What's up with that with that insane tongue thing she has? And by the way... She had she, a Michael Jordan moment for a second. Yeah, and she's, yeah. Not, and she's also, if I may weigh in on this subject, too, she doesn't weigh enough. She's not, she's not shapely. She's just like a, you know, basically like a French fry, you know, out there with a, with a tongue <laughs> hanging out oil. of her. Like, what is that? She's I, olive oil. I, 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 that's the part I didn't relate. Are you sure you're the one to do this? You know, shouldn't it be somebody who has a curve or two in them? That was, these were my big takeaways from that oh and by the way the other thing is that song was dreadful that she's the lyrics that's that really you want to moralize about it her song is all about like yes do whatever you want there are no repercussions i don't care what happens the song's all about like you can't stop us we're doing whatever we want we're taking drugs it's like I, that, that 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 is the theme of the song hedonism just do whatever you want nothing's ever going to come back and get you that's what i that was to me i thought insane but yeah, what kind of music were you listening to at 20? Oh, yeah. Keith Sweat. That's, that's my guess. Well, a little bit of R&B, obviously, but also hip-hop. You know, I was a big hip-hop fan grew, growing up in that area. Uh, you know, I, I what, grew up What on, specifically? Well, UGK, uh, you know, Scarface, you know, all the old Southern hip-hop rappers. You hmm. know, A-Ball, MJG, a lot of people that, you know. I didn't know this, there was such a thing as country, Southern rap. This part of the country would yeah. not know about. I, I know what he said. But you're not going to dignify my Key Sweat with a response, I see. Well, you know, Key Sweat is for a time and a place, you know. When yeah. you're rolling around in that S10? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> with my girl. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, then let's move on to another thing in the, in the pop culture news. I mentioned Venom, who is Spider-Man's arch nemesis. That brings me to Superhero. And the big news there, 
Ben Affleck is Batman. We've seen many. Michael Keaton do it. We saw Val, Val Kilmer. Kilmer, who, by the way, was an underrated Batman. He was pretty good. Better than Clooney. Definitely better than Clooney. And then there was Christian Bale, of course. And now we have Ben Affleck playing against the guy, what's his name, Hen Henry Cavill or whatever, who just was Superman. How say you, LT, is Affleck, does he have what it takes to wear the cow. Well, you know, he, he is an actor, obviously. I mean, come on. So he, he's going to be able to act the part. You know, but for me, when I when I look at Ben Affleck and I think of some of his roles, he's the funny guy. You know, I just, I don't know. I always think of him doing something crazy or, or being a funny guy on, on all his parts. So it'll be interesting to see him kind of be serious and really be the hero type of guy, I think. Yeah, what is what say you, E.H.? Well, I'll say this, you know, uh, a lot of people poo-poo Ben Affleck, but if you saw Argo, that was a fantastic movie, and I thought he really did a heck of a job as an actor in that movie. I don't think he's the world's greatest actor. He's made some terrific pictures as a director, though, which is really what he's been doing. But uh, he's the, the, the way this picture is supposed to be, he's supposed to be the older superhero who's more grizzled and teaching Superman who's still figuring things out, I guess. I'm fine with it on this level. I uh, First of all... Was Christian Bale? Have we all just deluded ourselves into thinking he was terrific? I mean, he was fine. He wasn't. He wasn't a world beater, was he? he was, I thought he was good. Yeah, that's exactly right. Though <laughs> I'm gonna get you. I'm a Joker. There's not enough room in this town for your sort of evil. These people of Gotham deserve better. That's a, it, it. Sounded ridiculous. I didn't think he was that good. On the other hand, I do have moral. I have philosophical qualms with a man who's already played Daredevil. How can you be? You can't be two. You get one. In this world, there are enough actors out there in the world that you could get anybody except someone who's already played a superhero. That's my anger. That's where my anger Can lies. I ask LT one football question while you I was may. thinking of it? Because you're you talking may. about mentoring. What do you think about Joe McKnight getting released? I wanted to ask about that as well. Yeah, a guy who you obviously worked with in the in the, the Jets' backfield. You watched him come Two in years. from SC. Yeah. All sorts of hype around this kid. And before yeah. that, you'll remember – I don't know if you remember this, LT – but, you know, coming up out of Mississippi, he was the back. I mean, mm -hmm. the recruiting, uh, to the guys chasing him around, there were a lot of issues around that, SC and beyond, and how, uh, what, I can't think of the coach's name, who who left Ole Miss to come out to SC, the, um, I can't think of his name. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, this guy was supposed to be can't miss. He was the next Reggie Bush, but then injury sort of dragged him down. Anyway, so uh, how say you now three years in the league and kicked to the curb already? Yeah, I, I I think that, um, you know, the Jets obviously wanted more production out of Joe McKnight. And I, I believe when they drafted him, they was hoping he would fulfill the role of third down guy, specialist third down, you know, returner type guy. And, you know, he never could get to the to the point where he can fully grasp the entire offense sub package, you know, because obviously we talk about the NFL. There's first and second down, then there's third down. Well, he could not grasp the sub package part of the game. Right. And, and so I think that hurt Joe McKnight. Well, he, he's very talented, as we saw. He can return kicks now. Yeah. But you know, he didn't he didn't do the things I think that he was supposed to do after I left and really grabbing a hold of that third down job. Well, here's the thing. You know, especially with fantasy football, really promoting the numbers side of the game. You know, the one thing that, that, that people miss out on is the third down offense. And it's not just about catching passes. You caught 100 balls in 2003, I believe. Yeah. But you can't be on 
the field on third down to catch some of those passes if you don't know how to pass protect. Yeah. It's not all about just catching <laughs> passes. You're catching passes. You're going out on routes maybe half the time. The other half the time when they're max protecting, your butt's back there with the quarterback. And if you don't know who to pick up, you're hurting your team. And we saw Tony Romo miss, what, eight games a couple years ago because mm-hmm. his running back didn't know who to pick up. And, and that's, my, that's, that's a prime example of, I believe, the reason why Joe McKnight is no longer with the Jets because you bring up an in- interesting point. That had a lot to do with it, you know, him not being able to stand in there and, and pick up blitzing linebackers. And there, there was numerous times throughout Joe's career with the Jets that they tried to get him to gain weight, you know, put weight on him because Joe is only, you know, 195 pounds, right at 200 pounds. They try to get him right around 210 so he can, you know, stand in there to block people, but it just never really worked out. He's a better guy playing at 195 and you just got to do certain things with him he's not going to be able to block there's a place in today's nfl for that but that he's just the hors d'oeuvre of departures from the jets they're going to be more and whether it's before the season during or after and let's start with rex ryan and his press conference over the weekend Uh, to me my reaction is it was it was pathetic really i mean he was so cool and uh in terms of what an NFL coach is, most of those guys are so closed off. They say nothing. He was legitimately funny. Not funny for an NFL coach. I mean, just he seemed like a funny guy who would be cool to hang out with. He was in there cracking wise. You know better than I, or you can tell us some stories maybe about what kind of guy he is. Now he's just this broken man. It feels like he doesn't know which way to turn. He's kind. Of, he knows like the rest of the world. You know, probably six months ago, you could have probably con- convinced him. Maybe things will break just right, and we can be a winner again, and I'll save my job. What what seems clear to me is he knows what the rest of the world knows is this team just doesn't have a chance in 2013, and that means he's out the door. How say you, LT? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Rex Ryan realizes that man, he's up against a, 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 a you know a tough thing trying to change this this group around, trying to get them back to where they were when he first took the job. You know, but here's the thing that I think about always. When you're dealing with football and you think about, you know, when new hires happen, John Isaac is now the general manager. The dynamics of his relationship with, with you know, Rex Ryan is not the same when he was with Mike Tannenbaum. Mm-hmm. Rex Ryan had more say-so with, with Tannenbaum. With John Isaac, my feeling is John is controlling the shots now. And Rex is just kind of a guy lost out at sea. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm trying to hold the boat, but I don't know what's going on. You know, he wants Mark Sanchez to be the quarterback. John Isaac wants Geno Smith to be the quarterback. And so Rex hands is tied. He's trying to do the best job he can. But I think you saw some frustration in the press conference with the media. I think that's what you saw because he's not on the same it's page sort of with sad, John. right? Doesn't yeah. it make you feel like as a guy who knows Rex Ryan, don't you look at it and see like, oh, man, I'm like watching a chum sort of uh, crumble. It's yeah, uh, There's a pathetic quality to it, yeah. Absolutely. You know what? And just to bring this full circle, since uh, Damashek decided to bring up my dating struggles earlier in this <laughs> podcast, it's kind of like when you're dating a girl. She doesn't want to go from being your girlfriend back to dating. Right. You know, head coach doesn't want to go from making a big, being one half of the decision-making process to just being no Mm -hmm. portion of it at all. And I I agree with you. Does it ever strike you that they were so eager to get rid of Schottenheimer, you know, that that he was the problem? And they, you know, Sperano certainly wasn't the answer. Just your thoughts on the the offense. Yeah, you know, and, and 
when I was there, I I felt like Rex and Brian had a great relationship. I, I really did. Brian really took that offense and and you can make the argument that Mark Sanchez played better when Brian Schottenheimer was I think it's was clear. Up, that, you know, the evidence is there. And so you know, I think this was. I think when obviously Brian and there was Brian and Mark had a, a decent relationship. I think they had a good relationship. I always saw those guys conversing and talking. You know, but at the same time, I think they had to to make Brian the, the scapegoat that year, the year that we were so close. We was eight and eight. It came down to the last couple of games, and we lost both of the games in order to go to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Offense sputtered the last, you know, I say half half of the season, and so Brian took the fall for that. But it really wasn't Brian's fault. What do you think then as a player? I'm trying to run through your career in my head real quick. Did you have a guy where you had the head man in there that you're like, this guy is going to get fired, so I don't really have to listen to him? Who was Mike I? I it was, not that I don't have to listen to him, but Mike Riley was there my first year, my rookie year. They oh, yeah, okay. 2001, me. yeah. And, you know, clearly you can just see that. Well, so what's Mike the reaction? Does it, what do you do as a player? Well, do guys say when the coach walks out of the room, like, this guy's going to get fired? And, and Oh, yeah, you heard you heard all the, those t- type of talks. You know, and as a rookie, heck, I'm just trying to prove that I belong. Mm-hmm. So, But you hear the talks in the room like, man, he's going to get fired anyways, you know, such and such. Well, we don't even have to listen to him. He's not going to be here next year. And so I think it was clear and evident that as the season progressed, you knew that Mike Riley would not be there next year. Well, I mean, obviously they're not going to fire the coach if you're having a good season, so the thing is already spiraling downward as a team. It's not like that – Could that? Uh, does that uh, – I mean, are the Jets basically cooked because they have a lack of talent, or is it because we now realize or the, everybody in that locker room knows – Listen, Rick's right. There's no chance he's our coach next year. So, you know, listen, this is a lost season. And as far as that goes, then how do you as an individual, I understand you're getting paid and you want your career to go on, but how do you motivate yourself right now? It's 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 August. The season's about to start. This isn't basketball where you can just sort of float through a season. This is I got to go out and get hit right. and I, and we're going to go 2 and 14. I got to take I, I got to take a physical beating on a team that has no chance. How do you get up to go out there and do it? Or do well, you make up injuries well, so you don't have to? No. First off, you you really everybody has the the hopes and aspirations of of winning, you know. So they still believe that they're going to win. You think the For Jets? Reason, you think those guys think they're going to win I, this year? I, I really believe believe the majority of the guys on the on that team believe something's going to happen. They're going to be hmm. able to pull out games, especially defensively. You can't tell me that the guys on that defense don't believe that they're going to be a dominant defense. That's that's how they think. But going back to you know, I think Rex. I think, Rex, there's no for sure thing. I'm going to say this now. I don't think there's no for sure thing that he's going to be out next year. Well, if that defense dominates and that's his area of expertise and he went and got those guys in the first round, and if they do dominate, then maybe you're right. There is a case there. he's still a master motivator. Guys still respect Rex Ryan in that locker room, and he can look each man in the eye and get him to play at a level that that man didn't think he can play at. Let me ask you this about that. I said last year that I thought it was a significant thing that he, Rex Ryan, continued to show support for Mark Sanchez vocally in the locker room and, and elsewhere. And for what it's worth, and it doesn't solve everything, but I think if you're the head coach, doesn't that then go on his resume when he talks to any situation? He Because to me, I predict he's the Raiders coach one year from now. He'll be talking in East Bay and getting the getting that Raiders team ready for next year. 
But so whether he's there or in the Jets locker room, how much does that matter to say like, hey, listen, for the record, you know, I got your back players because look what I did with Mark Sanchez. The world knew he couldn't play anymore, but I stood by him. He was my guy and I went. Uh, it was it was uh, rise or fall with that guy. And that's how I'll be with you. Does that matter to players to hear uh, I that? Think, I think it does, you know, because one thing about Rex Ryan, if you're in that room with him when he's talking Rex Ryan is going to tell you exactly how he feels. So the stuff, the things that you hear him say in the press, to the press, he have already said it to the players, meaning he will tell you, listen, guys, Mark Sanchez is going to be our quarterback. I don't care what you guys think about it. You can like it or you can go with it. But I tell you what, he's going to be our, our quarterback. He will tell you. And so guys respect that about, mm-hmm. about Rex, and you can never say – that he didn't tell you or he didn't stick by his guys because he does. I want to ask you one more thing uh, before we let you go because the, the football life is something we're all really excited about. <clears throat> you mentioned that Emmett Smith was a huge role model for you. But one thing that I was thinking about, when you entered the league, you had Clinton Portis in Denver, Charlie Garner in Oakland, Priest Holmes, Priest Holmes in Kansas City, Seattle – had not only uh, uh, Ricky Waters, but they had Young Shaw and Alexander. How mm-hmm. much did just playing in your division, the AFC West, at that time motivate you to be awesome? Oh, yeah. Seahawks yeah. were still in the yeah. AFC yeah. West what, at that time. Yeah. Right? You, you know, and most of the guys that you mentioned in that division, those were the guys at the top of the rushing list. And so that's who I had to compete with for rushing titles and make Pro Bowls and, and what. That matters to you? You look around the division and say, I got to keep up with the Joneses? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, because, you know, that's where it starts. Every coach and every player wants to win their, their division. They want to dominate their division. And as a player, you want to be the best player in that division. That's where it starts at. And so I looked around and Pre-Tons saw all was these. Killing it back he was then. killing it. I mean, he, he broke the record, the touchdown record first. Yeah, people you know? forget how good Priest Holmes was. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. like what was it about a three year window? Last thing, LT, and then you can blow out of Studio sixty six and do your fancy TV business. <laughs> but uh, what about let we talk about Mark Sanchez? To me, just go with Geno Smith. At least get him the reps. But is there, a, on a crummy team, a team with a lousy offensive line, dicey at best wide receivers, arguably the worst collection of wide receivers, if Santonio can't go, that, I mean, you know, you don't know what Stephen Hill's going to be. And after that, I mean, like Jeremy Curley, whatever. Do you throw, if it's you, would you go Sanchez right now, knowing everything we know, that Sanchez, and, and is it Ryan's call or is it it's, it, or is it it's, it's, is it Idzik's call? That's a tough that's one. That's a hard one. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's interesting. We've heard talks about it being, you know, Idzik will have a say-so in that, that, you know, choice. You know, but at the end of the day, I think it's the coach's job to make the decision. You know, it's like Bill Parcell said. Right. You know, you you don't want me to buy the groceries, but you want me to cook the food. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think it's the head coach's job to cook the food, to say who's going to be the starter. And so who's he going to go and with? And so I, I really think if it's me, and I look at everything around that team, a, a, a poor offensive line from what we understand, receiving group that's, that's, that's obviously, you know, at the bottom half of the league. I think you go with Mark Sanchez, and here's why. You don't want to ruin Geno Smith's confidence mm-hmm. right away. That's what happened to Mark Sanchez, in my opinion. The guy played one year at USC. You haven't become the starting quarterback in the National Football League after one year at USC and expect him to be successful with nobody to learn from. Do not do Geno Smith like that. Let him learn from Mark Sanchez. Let him watch from the sideline, hold a clipboard in the film room, get better that way. 
go against the first team defense throughout the week in preparing by by the bye week, which is I think week nine or ten. Put him in, and but then can let Sanchez? Him go the rest of the year. All right, so say as we expect, things uh, go downhill from here for the Jets. Does Sanchez have another destination as a starting QB anywhere? Is there there can't be a spot for not, him, not right? Not as a starting QB, I don't think. But I believe as a backup, and I think Mark Sanchez can provide you a, a solid two or three games. You know, if he's mm-hmm. a backup, you know, but as a start, I, I don't see nice it. photos for your game program. Yeah, he is a <laughs> handsome <laughs> devil. You know. That that much I don't know we what all he's doing agree with that on. hair, though. And okay, one more thing. Yeah, I don't know. He's not doing himself any favors with the hair and he the looks headband. Like an extra and What's he do? It's like he wants to, us to make fun of him. The butt fumble, he couldn't help, but the hair, he can. Have you seen from dusk till dawn? He, wants he looks to like look an extra. Like a true chulo. <laughs> <laughs> all right, LT. And is Chris Ivory going to have a good year? By the way. I think he will have a good year if he stays healthy. Man, Chris obviously Ivory is a, is a tough runner, and we have seen glimpses in the preseason of, of what he can do. I think he will have a solid year. I predict eleven hundred yards. All right, he's no LT, and that's why I would never let him anywhere near the sports car. <laughs> My little segment on NFL dot com. When are you LT getting into the sports car for a spin around Los Angeles? Whenever you get a detail. Cleaned up, shined up really nice, then I, I'll jump in. Well, what kind of prima donna have you become? You get on an, TV an, and all uh, of a sudden demands are being made? Hey, how about know, an Alpine? It has to look good, How Dave. about an Alpine CD player with a removable face wow. that you take off that's and put true. in your pocket? Come on. It's not wow. 1987, you hey, weirdo. <laughs> and we're not listening to, uh, so you can listen to your Keith I had Sweat. One of those. LT, I want you in the sports car. Sooner than later, we'll take a spin around and we'll cover all of it. We'll get we'll get it all cleared up. All right, you got it, buddy. And watch a football life. It's football awesome. life next Tuesday night. Set the TiVo now so you don't forget. I keep saying TiVo. It's really DVR. Nobody has TiVo anymore. <laughs> no. Boy, that thing went away fast, didn't it? Yeah, it did. TiVo revolutionized our lives, and then it was gone, replaced by DVR. All right, a football life. Ladanian Tomlinson. It should be. Positively grand. I look forward to it. Thanks for the time, LT. Yeah, you got it, man. We'll see Thank you knocking you. around the hallways here. It's all, it's like a real, uh, you know those, Take care, man. you know those uh, sports center commercials. That's like our real lives. You know, we walk around. Hey, look who it is. It's Ladanian Tomlinson. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of cool. How about Batman? You know that kind of stuff. There he goes out of Studio sixty six. Eh, I want him to be out of your shot because I don't want it to seem like I'm brown nosing. He that he's a nice fella, huh? He's I really awesome. like him. He's really super. He's really a very pleasant fella. He's but awesome. I want him in the sports car. What I don't care for is this new attitude that he seems to have picked up. I don't know where. I don't know if it was from if he was if it's from rubbing elbows with uh, Marshall Falk and those guys. But let me tell you something. I all of a sudden my car has to be clean for him to <laughs> see fit to join me in it. I have a lot of questions. Here's one thing I would like to say to him, L- uh, Eh. I have a theory. What do you think about this? And maybe, you know, for all you prospective uh, football players out there on the fringe right now in NFL camps as we come down to the final days before cuts, here's a little thing. Try this out. When the Turk comes calling, hey, uh, coach needs to see you uh, and bring your playbook. Go to the coach's office, but don't bring the playbook. Then he says, hey, we're going to have to let you go, and can I have your playbook? You'd be like, oh, man, that's too bad. I'm bummed out. I really worked hard, but, oh, I don't have my playbook with me. I left it back in the room. Then you go back to your room, and somebody comes with you like, oh, no, I think I left it. You know what? I must have left it in my car. You just keep playing the shell game. 
You never give them the playbook. Apparently, they can't cut you without it. Next thing you know, it's mid-October. No one even remembers that you were cut, and you're still with the team. You understand? How say you, EH? What about that idea? I'd like for LT to... Maybe that was that. Maybe that's something we're going to learn on a football life from LT is that he just never turned in his playbook, and then they couldn't cut him, and that's how he wound up in the or soon to be in the hall. I couldn't even cough good. Can I tell you something as well? From no matter where you are in the country, uh, it's back to school time and football. If it does anything, if no matter even if you don't like it, it is the great panacea for the inevitable truth of every young person's life. Back to school. Football, at least, helped put was a little salve on my emotional wound that is going back to school. I always hated it. The thing I feel sad about, and I want to publicly apologize to all the children out there, when I was a child, I vowed when I take it over, when I take over all of it, my first order of business, shorten the school year. Four days a week, we'll get back maybe somewhere around late October. Mm-hmm. We'll wrap it all up by late April. That'll be it. We'll start slow. Eventually, it'll just be two weeks. You'll do it online, you know, like Donald Trump kind of class, whatever his business is now. We'll just, we'll just wrap it all up in a couple weeks. But we'll start slowly. We'll build towards it. And unfortunately, it's actually going the other way. What is going on with school starting in August? Shame the devil. Labor Day, at least. At least give us the respect, school, to save it until September. I'm sick about it, and I feel bad about it. And like Bane. Not rem- oh, i got to do my Bane. Oh, yes, I want to mention Billy Goods 22, Bill Goodell. I don't know if he's uh, related to the commish, but he dropped me a line on Twitter, and you can hit me up at Damashek if you wish. I do a great Bane impression. And, uh, well, I, I'd like to think it's pretty good. And he sent me some new lines i got to try for Bane. And I'm going to try it out right now. Like, speak of the devil, and he shall appear. That's pretty good, Black Tie. Come on, man. <laughs> Elliot, you like that one? It's better than your Turk idea. It does not matter who we are. What matters is our plan. Pretty you're good. Not, you're not getting the, uh, the tempo right, the annotation right. Say but Mr. Wayne. Good. Say Mr. Wayne. No time for fear. That comes later. That's not bad. I mean, That's listen, Mr. Wayne. We can work on it. It's not bad. We, we, we got to get the. Uh, we got to get the. Uh, my my Chris right. Berman remains my best, but we haven't the time for that. I want to because our time is short now. Although that was a good time with it, LT it here. Some inside poop on that. You Jets reminded locker me room. of something though. Talking about going back to school. Yeah. You remember how Sundays always stunk when you were a kid because you had the day off, but as the day got later, you're like. Got depressing as night fell, especially once the clocks turn and then it's dark before the end of the second game. Oh, it's horrible, horrible. But there was that rare treat from ABC, and I think it usually happened during the World Series where they'd move a Monday night game to Sunday night. And this was before ESPN, the rare time that Sunday night was actually relevant once a year. Yeah, that was cool, and uh, the uh, even rarer treat was this was when was there was a Thursday night oh, game. Those were awesome. so great. I mean, now NFL Network has them pretty much covering every week of the regular season. Um, but yeah, can you believe it? We're a week away now. We we, we really made it, and college football is kicking off. Before that, I can't wait for Saturday night's gem, Clemson and Georgia in Death Valley. One of those two teams that's a legitimate contender for the title this year is going to basically have those hopes dashed. Either one of those teams what loses that game. What about our kickoff game? game? 
What's our kickoff game? Ravens Broncos. Oh, that game. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, that's uh, that's going to be interesting. Speaking of that specifically, real quick, Joe Flacco. Obviously, you may have heard won the Super Bowl last year with a dynamite January in the in the February, and it seems to me. Year by year, you can always look at the teams that are successful, and it does sort of change. Some of these things change season to season. There was a run of about five years where every team that went deep in the playoffs either had a dominant defense or an almost unstoppable offense, and it went back and forth like a pendulum. One year, it was all the defensive teams. The year that the Titans went 13-3 and with Kerry Collins, that team was all about their defense. Oh, they were the best team record-wise in the AFC. That's the year that the Steelers went to the Super Bowl. The Ravens had that dominant defense, and uh, you know, and, and there maybe there's one outlier to that, to, to what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and that would have been the Cardinals, of course. They were all offense, no defense, but for the most part, these teams that go deep into the playoffs from both sides, and and then the next year was all the, the offensive teams thrived and so on and back and forth it went. What is the key in 2013 EH as you break it down? What is the common theme of teams that will be successful in, in, in this season? Big plays, turnovers. Mm-hmm. You combine your big plays and the teams that create turnovers. So I'm going to use an example from the era that you're talking about. Take the 2009 Saints. Yes, they had an unbelievable offense. But they also created almost 40 turnovers that year. Darren Sharper had nine interceptions. Our colleague took three of them to the house. I think he had a fourth called back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, to me, is, a, is the biggest key. Remember the Giants-Patriots Super Bowl two years ago? Yes, both defenses were terrible. But the Patriots always, always create turnovers. So, to me, you take the 49ers and Seahawks, who a lot of people think are 1A and, and 1B. <clears throat> to me, it's which one of those teams is going to force the most mistakes? That, to me, is the key. And can the Denver Broncos force turnovers sans Von Miller early in the year? All right, here are a couple questions as far as that goes. Well, first of all, a statement. A couple weeks ago, we had Willie McGinnis in here. I encourage you, nay, demand you dig that one up, DDFP. I can't remember the episode number, but Willie was dynamite. 180, obviously. DDFP 180. 180, yes. He was uh, obviously a key piece of Belichick's uh, defenses that won those Super Bowls about uh, 10 years or so ago. And he made that same point that you just made, and that's absolutely right. It no longer is relevant with the way the NFL is going, and maybe by the end of this year we'll be uh, singing a different song. But based on last year and the year prior, it is exactly what you just said. It's not about these defenses that are shut down in terms of yards against kind of thing, and even maybe points against. Obviously, that's more relevant, but it's really mainly about it's it's a big play league now. So that's what it's all about. The difference makers, not just on offense, but on defense. You need playmakers. The offense is now with the rules and everything else and uh, and the ability to throw the ball and push it every uh, every time you touch the ball downfield. It's about now disrupting. You got to take the ball away from guys. That's a that it's no longer the Steelers witness. The Steelers had the best defense statistically in the NFL last year. They turnovers. went they went 8 and 8. They didn't turn the ball over. The Patriots had a crummy defense. However, they turned the ball over constantly. That's what it's about. I agree with you completely. And by the way, there's no such thing as a true shutdown defense or at least there wasn't last year. We think of the oh, the Niners and Seahawks. Oh my goodness, are they they're such terrific defensive teams. Yeah, they both allowed uh, a, a couple of touchdowns and a field goal each on average. The true shutdown defenses that we think about statistically are the ones that were hovering around keeping their, their opponents to 10 a game. So, yes, I think you're exactly right about that. It's turnovers and big plays. I think you nailed it there. But now the counter to that is 
I am suddenly turning around on, uh, you know, six weeks ago, I didn't love the Falcons. Now I feel like they're so unstoppable on offense. I don't know how anybody, I mean, what how their defense would just have to be complete garbage to not take them deep this year. I mean, their their offense, I don't know what anybody's going to do to stop that, that offense from going. But, you know, at least they have some pieces, and they've O.C. is a nice addition there, a guy, again, who can make plays and disrupt the QB a little bit. But And they've enhanced their secondary, at least. But Denver, I mean, again, a lot of big plays out there on offense. I mean, they really should average 35 or 40 points a game, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. They should really average five touchdowns a game. However, how bad is their defense going to be? I, I'm, I'm as I get closer and closer to making my final preseason picks, and I see them one through six in each conference, as you know. I'm starting to think I might even take the Chiefs in that division because I don't. I, what, what do they have? What's their secondary look like? Old man Champ Bailey's the only piece to like, and he's hurt. They're, I mean, they're, they lose Doomerville. They don't have Von Miller now for six games. They're in trouble, huh? I, I think- whoa, 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 whoa. I'm sorry. I, I don't really chime in like this, but come on. So you think you think the Chiefs are going to win the They're the going to have to outscore their opponent. I mean, obviously, well, and I you guess don't that, think with I that. And o- you don't think with that offense that's very doable. They're the, just going to sh- every week is a shootout. That, for some reason, does not generally tra- – history does not – favor a team that has to win a shootout every week, EH. Yeah, well, I agree with that. And I I think there is one thing to be said about this that does go back to old school football that has never changed. You can have a team that runs up the score or creates turnovers all that you want. But at the end of the day, if you can't run the clock when you need to burn the clock at the end of the game, it's a problem. Yes. It's a problem. Falcons 2012, January. Look at that. Exactly. If you don't believe EA. If you look at the Saints, once again, going back to 09, I believe they finished fifth or sixth in the NFL in rushing that year. Um, The Patriots last year would surprise you where they finished. They were a top 10 rushing team last season. Uh, So just because you throw the ball all over the park and you you can score with anyone – the key is, will that offensive line for the Falcons, and will Steven Jackson hold up, and can they protect a lead when they need to protect a lead? Now, going to your Kansas City point, <clears throat> Kansas City has disruptive guys on defense. They have Justin Houston. They have Tom Ali. All if, three if, levels, in fact. Yeah, if, if Eric Berry can really make it back. You know, last year was his first year back from, right. the, from the injury. If he's really a better player now. Good corners. And, oh, Brandon Flowers is an outstanding corner. Okay, so... You have that, and if the Chiefs get a lead, I trust their ability to run the football because I believe, even with Andy Reid, they have to be committed. To, your best player is your tailback. You better be committed to running the football. But can you really say that Alex Smith is enough? I mean, I, I know everyone's hot dogs and apple pie about the guy, but really, what has Alex Smith ever done to make someone think, oh, man, you know, he what is. What do you mean? What's Alex, he done? Alex Smith has just carved out the perfect nature of himself. He's such a sympathetic f- figure that we all just want to give in to the fact or make him seem like he's a great quarterback or has been a great oh, quarterback listen. the last two seasons. Twenty he's minutes okay. ago, twenty minutes ago, we were talking about Mark Sanchez. He did not deserve to be the what was he the fifth or sixth overall pick. He just was, you know, they, that was a reach pick for the Jets. Alex Smith was a bit of a reach, but we would have a different opinion of him if he hadn't been first overall. That's what the reason he has a stink on him is because Aaron Rodgers should have been the number one pick, and instead it's Alex Smith, and so he gets 
unfairly a little bit beaten up because of his draft spot. If he was a second round pick, you would be like, this kid, this guy's terrific. He's really grown into the position now. And what's he ever done? Did you I mean, the, what the last two seasons? That's what well, he's it done. Was last oh, season last and a half. Season. If Kyle Williams, if the ball doesn't hit Kyle Williams in the knee, then the, they play for the Super Bowl wait two years ago. Wait a minute. And wait last minute. year, wait, how do you wait, know wait. they don't wind up in the Super Bowl? They just leave him in there. The wait, fact that his okay, own, that would happen. The uh, fact that his own coach posed him for a guy who hadn't played at all shows you that they even they knew that he was limited. No, it, it has to do with Kaepernick's ceiling. It has to do with the higher ceiling. Doesn't make Alex Smith not good. Yeah, but why? But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You play a guy with a higher ceiling sometimes when you're in a situation that you gave to say LT with the Jets. You don't play your guy with a higher ceiling when you think you're going to be the number one seed in the conference. You want to win that year. I mean, the NFL now, you got to strike while the iron's hot. You don't play a guy with a higher ceiling just to play him with a higher ceiling. I bet you Jim Harbaugh thought Kaepernick gave him the better shot to win. If Jim Harbaugh, first of all, he's two years into, into his NFL career at this point. He is just out of college. By the way, as I've said before, I think Chip Kelly is we're going to see some of that bouncing around the QBs. Mike Vick has a bad half or maybe a bad week. I wouldn't be surprised to see Nick Foles taking snaps, uh, you know, coming out of the locker room at halftime. Alex Smith, so Jim Harbaugh has a little bit of a coach, uh, a college coach mentality where you're allowed to play that game of swapping out, uh, okay. swapping out the key position. On the field, and I bet you if Jim Harbaugh were six years down the line from now, and once he goes through a rocky period, I mean, right now, you talk about whatever, what was your phrase? Cookies and rainbows? What <laughs> yeah, was your thing? Something, something like that. Milkshakes with peppermint in them? Oh, you know, by the way, get yourself, I know the standard way to go is a vanilla or chocolate. That's the debate. And if you like a little fruit in there, maybe you go strawberry. Next time you go out for a shake, when they have a nice range of flavors, please, peppermint. Peppermint milkshakes beat the band. And then drop me a line and thank me later. Done on that. Now, listen. When they go, once he goes through a rocky period, he will get sufficiently spooked about like, oh, I can't play that. I got to go. I got to go by the book. I don't, you don't play. You don't do things in November and swap out a contending team's QB. I bet you he'll get he'll be brought back down to earth just like Rex Ryan has been now over the last couple of years. But. Being that Alex Smith absolutely could have gotten that team to the Super Bowl. Why couldn't they have gotten there with him in there? That's the, we can debate whether or not that would have happened. Alex Smith, the fact of the matter is, was not just efficient, but he never got picked off. He made big plays. It's because he was efficient. It was based on how they played no, the game. He they, also they, made big uh, plays. Run heavy, uh, run heavy team in a he, shootout with the with with one of the all time shootout teams, the, the Saints, New Orleans Saints. That he game. rose up and made huge plays. Under pressure, now, I'm not talking at the start of the game, in the last few minutes of a huge game at home where there's more pressure on you, where you're supposed to deliver, he rose up and made the big plays in that game. Respond to this uh, then. Uh, Alex Smith, when he was coming out of Utah, you may I, I know you don't watch as much college football as I do, but he was terrific in a, when he was at Utah running a variation of Urban Myers, whatever you want to call it, is essentially the pistol or however you want to classify it. And he was terrific. He's older now, but he still can run the ball terrifically. Yep. And I've ta- you and I have talked about this a great deal. And I will say it for the million and first time now as, we, as, the, as kickoff draws closer. I have heard virtually no evidence to support the idea that the defensive coordinators have solved the pistol in the offseason. Everybody says the same thing. Marshall Falk, Trent Dilfer, 
Roddy White, everyone says the same thing. There is no stopping it. It is a numbers game. You have an extra man on one side of the line who then allows you to cave in that side of the line. You cannot fail with that until these defensive guys figure something out. And like I say, I haven't heard word one that would support the idea that anyone has. Therefore, with Chris Alt, the guy who started the pistol, with Colin Kaepernick, now working with with Alex Smith, who obviously is no stranger to it, and Jamal Charles, who seems to fit it perfectly, that offense, again, that's another offense that should be gangbusters. Not as dominant, maybe, as the as the Broncos, but their defense, I bet you, is going to be better. How say you on that? Okay, well, bear in mind, who who's Alex Smith throwing the ball to? Dwayne Bowe. Oh, you're just going to throw to Dwayne Bowe. That's nice. Don't need a tight end. What, Anthony Fasano? Well, Tony Moiaki is, 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 is a bad injury for yep, them. Yeah. He's hurt. They've got Fasano. Who you who you trotting out there at the other side? Well, not John Baldwin anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And let's not forget, this is a new coaching staff, okay? And let's not forget this team went 2-14 and 14 last year. But don't forget what Andy Reid did in his first couple of years in, in Philly. All Eagles fans eight, were eight. ready to move on from him, but they but they turned the court. Yeah, but they were in in much worse shape when he arrived in Philly than KC is right gonna, now. Is Chiefs going to sweep the Chargers? I say they don't. Well, I mean, listen, I, that's awfully specific. Are they going to sweep the Chargers? Okay, Why I think, not? What I'm saying is I think San Diego will be right there with Kansas City, and I think Denver wins the division. I go Kansas City 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and seven, San Diego 8-8, eight and eight, uh, Oakland 2-14, and 14, uh, Denver Broncos 11-5, 10-6. 11-5, okay, so at least not to, because these, uh, these lofty – ambitions that a lot of people have for their that Broncos fans have for their team this year are undermined by the practical lack of defensive players playmakers or just stout uh, guys up front necessarily they I mean they I, I do like Sylvester Williams up front last thing give us because I don't know if we'll get a chance to yap with you before the season kicks off I want them on record here and now who is your final four I won't even make you do six and six on uh, the two conferences give me your final four Okay, uh, I have Seattle and San Francisco in the NFC Championship. Uh, right now, I have Denver, and I'm I've been weighing several teams, but right now, I would I like Denver and Cincinnati in the uh, AF, or excuse me, Denver and Houston in the AFC Championship. The AFC, I mean, what a what a different the AFC really when you think about it it's does tough. not have very many good. No, it doesn't. I don't think there are very many. Uh, top end teams. I mean, there are teams. There are a bunch of pretty good teams, but there's no. I mean, the Patriots are going to be reasonably good with Belichick and Brady and everything, but they're not. They're not a world beater. the The Ravens, I think, are have a chance to really stink. They really might be bad this year. Their defense. Everybody keeps all you keep hearing about is how their defense is better than it was last year. Well, it wasn't that good, and so all right, fine. So maybe it will be improved, but. You have Torrey Smith, who knows one route, and that is to run really fast as long as he can until uh, he looks over his shoulder, and hopefully Flacco's big arm has gotten him the ball uh, in the right place. He, It's not like he – I mean, this idea that he is going to transform – he better transform into a more complete receiver, but uh, we don't know that he's going to do that. Outside of that, they have zero to catch passes. So Ray Rice better be ready to really have his best season for them to be relevant. Um the Steelers are question marks. Jarvis Jones looks good, but I mean they're they're a uh, a flawed team. Obviously, they don't have a, a feature back still because of Levy and Bell. They have problems. 
I mean, the Dolphins might be good. They might not. The Chiefs. I mean, who's the Broncos have no defense. That, there yeah. are there are four or five teams in the NFC better than the best team in the AFC. I'll give you this, though. I like if the Bengals and Texans. Those are my two favorite teams. I'll tell you what, Black Tie, Shaq, if there's one guy that the AFC turns on, it's Andy Dalton. I agree. If Andy Dalton takes a Drew Brees-esque step forward that he took that year with the Chargers yep. in about his fourth year, Bengals can beat anybody. Completely agree with you. That's why I have the Bengals and Texans playing for the title in the AFC. Doesn't it, doesn't have the arm strength though. Yeah, doesn't he, have, doesn't he doesn't have, have a huge arm, but he's got Drew playmakers Brees doesn't have everywhere. A huge arm. He's got a pretty good arm. He's got a good arm. He's got, he's got a pretty got good a arm. Good arm. Um, all right, so uh, all right, so we'll leave it at that. We'll have our picks for you as we draw ever closer here to uh, to the season's kickoff. In the uh, coming shows, we have Rich Eisen coming on. Who else do we have? We're going to bring uh, – what, what else do we got? To, oh, we're going to bring Money on, Matt Money Smith, to talk some college football on our next show. Big guy. I'm a big college football fan. I'm getting really excited for that Final Four in 2014. That's going to be the best. But all right, listen. So we got some good stuff lined up for you in the uh, in the days as uh, as we get ready for that big game in uh, Mile High City Ravens at Broncos. All right, listen. Thanks, EH. Thanks to Ladanian Tomlinson. Be on the lookout for a football life with with Ladanian on Tuesday night coming up here next week, and uh, right after that, backstory with me and Jen Brown and LT, and then a football life extra. EH is doing that, NFL.com. So basically next Tuesday, it's LT all the time. We'll be back with more Huey and Applesauce later on. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com.